Welcome to Inside the Economy with SHNJ. Presented by Larry Howes of Sharky, Howes, and Jaber. Learn more about Sharky, Howes, and Jaber at shwj.com. Thank you for listening. Quick look at the numbers. We're actually seeing some inflation work into the world. CPI, core, and head are actually both above two for first time in about a decade. Uh, that is probably more good news than bad. It's certainly not looking at inflation like a lot of us experienced in the 70s, but at least it's up in a reasonable number. Uh, unemployment still 4.7, and nothing exciting in oil or the euro or the bond market, even though rates have crept up a little bit. But fundamentally, uh, since 2009, this expansion, as we like to call it, inflation has been flat. But both indices, the unit labor costs and our hourly earnings, average hourly earnings, are up around 3% in 2016. This is not going to go away. It's very likely to continue through 2017 and will be a motive for the Fed to raise once, probably in the first half, and likely once more in the second half. Their motive there is to keep CPI around 2%. Yeah, we'll see. But that's short-term rates. Uh, the other side of the coin, long-term rates, I'll remind everybody that uh, around 2010, the Fed was pumping a lot of money into the banking system. Uh, working and getting rid of the Great Recession, as well as buying every bond in sight during the quantitative easing program, which lasted several years. So the sheer size of this Fed portfolio, it's about $4.8 trillion, it by itself uh, is the largest single thing out there holding long-term rates down. It's a huge portfolio. It has been buying everything in the bond market. It's very likely this year that will come to a halt. And when I say come to a halt, that means that the Fed will let the stuff that they have in that portfolio, the, the assets they have, the term is roll off. Let's actually let them mature and pay the bond off and let it go. Right now, they're reinvesting all the principal, and that in itself is a huge factor in the bond market. It is the reason long-term rates are still as low as they are, clearly. If the Fed chooses to let that roll off and stop buying new assets, that will drive long-term rates, especially mortgages, up. It could be this year. Uh, in the other market, the Dow, it's up about 1,800 points since the election. A lot of speculation. Right now, financials, banks, and anything that looks like a recovery in the oil patch are all being bought at all-time highs. And businesses that, well, need free trade or global commerce or are tariff-prone are being ignored or sold. It's an interesting time in the marketplace. Finally, uh, as the debt issue will come up again, as the Fed will raise rates, I'll remind you that U.S. debt right now, all its debt is about 106% of GDP. So that's uh, 19 and a quarter trillion. Ended last year, China's debt, their disclosed debt, was 277% of 
GDP. They're approaching Greece now. Uh, and more and more of this is because new issuances need to pay the interest on their existing debt. And we'll get to that when we talk about their reserves. So uh, inflation. Well, core inflation has been kind of flat, right about two or a little bit under for a while. But now its headline, which is wage push, has come back into the system. It hasn't snuck back in. It's worked its way back in. That is the motive right now for the Fed to raise rates. They've been raising. They raised twice, and they'll raise probably twice this year. It is not about goods. It's not about manufacturing. It's not about uh, energy. It's nothing that is in the core of this economy. It's all about services. Those industries that are very service-oriented are going to push these numbers back into the system. There's going to be increase in consumer prices in, well, tax preparation, the lawyers, everything that is totally service-oriented. They're the ones that are feeling the wage and pressure. So don't be surprised. Uh, fortunately, the savings rate is still in the high fives. That's been a good trend, and though the trend as a, as a ratio has been the same for a long time, the dollars are much bigger. Now, with a great savings rate and low inflation, you'd think there'd be a lot more money in your average household. Well, unfortunately, no. That's really not the case. Uh, you know, this is the CBO that j just did its budget forecast to 2027. Oh, wouldn't you like to have a budget number run out to 2027? But this is where they are with people, uh, medium family wealth by age group. You know, the boomers, 65 or over, uh, the typical median net worth is about 230,000. 50 to 64, well, it's under about 145,000, and it kind of gets down. Shouldn't be surprised that uh, if you're younger than 35, you don't have much of a net worth. But if you're 50, you'd like to think that you had a little more than $50,000 worth of assets. That's uh, actually down and trending down. To what percent or degree that's part of this current economy, we'll get to. Any thoughts about what's the sharp decrease in the 50 to 64 age group? That group uh, was the group that got unemployed the fastest. That's the group that left uh, government, manufacturing, and places where they could be replaced, really, during the Great Recession. That's really when that started happening. Those people, unless they've upgraded their skills, are on the unemployment or not even seeking employment anymore roles. That's also a large part of the new on Social Security disabled list is that age group. Uh, the other side of the coin, is there any money in the system? Well, huh, there is. This is family wealth, and it's measured in trillions, not thousands. Uh, the top 10%, it's about 25 trillion. That's families that hold Microsoft, uh, Berkshire Hathaway, uh, Facebook, Yahoo, 
uh, and a lot of very large inherited real estate portfolios. Serious money there. Not in a lot of people, but that's kind of where the money is. The average individual, those making, well, not a typical wage, but assuming they made over a quarter million dollars a year for a decade at least, that's 51st to 90th percentile, their total assets are still up, you know, 11 trillion. Then the bottom 50%, which is the vast majority of the people, and as well as the assets we just looked at, uh, hardly registering. Well, is that a division between the lowest earners and the highest earners? Well, yes. Is it widening? It has started to widen again after a few years of, well, adjusting. With the market back, property values back, the assets are back. Okay, so what's driving the economy right now? Well, we've talked before, the largest single factor is a, is being employed. Taxable wages and payroll taxes, that's about 72% of the federal government's revenue. Here's the other big factor, housing. Single family is slowing. Uh, its growth is slowing, and it's going to slow more when rates go up. It's the multifamily apartments that you see propping up everywhere that continue to start. They are just keeping up with demand, certainly in the, the hot markets, but even the, the slower, even negative markets, it's multifamily housing. Uh, here's the Fed balance sheet. Uh, this is a, a Bloomberg chart that... I dug up. You can see here in 2008 and 9 when they started funding the Great Recession and the quantitative easing from 2010 to, to about 2014, and it really hasn't increased then. But the Fed has not been rolling their assets off. They've been reinvesting all the principal they get, and it's a big number. Like I mentioned before, it is a huge factor in the bond market. Once they start letting that stuff mature, that will take a lot of the activity out of the, bar, the bond market. Prices will adjust down because there's not so much buying activity. Rates will go up. Mortgages are at the top of the list. Uh, this is China. <laughs> Interestingly enough, they're spending their money quickly. And this is basically their foreign, their important foreign reserves are in dollars. Uh, they've spent about a trillion of it in uh, the last two years, basically supporting the yuan, uh, trying to keep controls on the yuan leaving the country, trying to keep the yuan above six. It's been uh, expensive. Right now, what they're trying to do is raise rates and shut off lending. It will be very interesting to see uh, what that does to the economy. The, uh, what I've, I've mentioned in the past, you know, the great decade of, of, of China, and that's basically from 1998 to about 2008. That's when their economic activity was so high and growing in double digits, and they accumulated all, most of these reserves. Well, that's slowly unwinding. We'll see how globalization goes. Their, uh, there's the great growth, 2000, 2004. That's all their fixed income, the bridges, the highways, the uh, 
Olympic stadiums, et cetera, et cetera, it's sort of stagnated and dropped off significantly. This is very hard to get back uh, unless you have a strong currency and uh, a very vibrant economy. Today, they have neither. Uh, and the other side is over here on Europe, which is now starting to see a little bit inflation, which is kind of good news, unless you're in Germany, which case there's nothing worse than hearing about inflation. And they're struggling to get up to 1% inflation. But these are the debt loads of uh, the periphery in the Eurozone and part of the populist elections that are coming this year. France being one, Germany not too far away. Uh, Greece isn't getting any better. Uh, Ireland is doing well because they've accumulated a lot of new income, but everybody else are just sort of hanging in there. So fundamentally what we have is a lot of speculation going on in the U.S. markets, seeing who's going to be rewarded for this administration and who's going to be punished. And everybody else, it's see how they adjust to inflation. So for now, that's it. That's it.